you're the same God. This is who we worship tonight. Yeah. He's the same, he's the same. Oh, how I need you. How I need you. You freed the captives. You're freeing hearts right. You are the same God. You are the same God. You touched the This goes out to every outcast, till the just don't quite fit in. Every wrong way, runaway rebel, so ashamed of where you've been. This goes out to every searcher, trying to fill that empty space. Well, your searching days are over now, everything's about to change.
that sweet forgiveness song Come and join the Jesus people This is where your heart Welcome to Trinity this morning. We welcome those that are watching on our live streaming services and welcome home to Trinity today. Enter in and rejoice in the Lord together. Uh, we have a number of people that uh, found some new muscles they did not know they had uh, after working for the last two days at the big barn sale out there. How many of you found a couple muscles you didn't know you had, but they hurt today? Yes, many of us. But uh, I believe the total was $3,200 came in, $3,200. And all of that goes towards ministries and missions of the church, and we praise God for your faithfulness. And all those who served, don't pat them on the back. That hurts too. So uh, just... <laughs> Just uh, wave at them and say, good job, good job. Turn around and wave at a couple people. Say, good job, good job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, praise God. Good to have Manny and Maria with us yesterday. Uh, they were with us yesterday at the sale, and they're here this morning. Give them a good uh, Trinity welcome, would you please? <laughs> praise God. Praise God. We, uh, we do want to welcome everyone here today and to encourage you to be in prayer for our missions team. Uh, we'll be having prayer a little bit later on in the service. This week, uh, the missions group from the youth go out to their ministry mission, and we're going to have prayer for them. Uh, a lot of other things going on in the service today. We just want you to be in and involved and just worshiping the Lord. It's not about you, it's about Him. Amen? It's about our Heavenly Father. Let's fix our attention on Him today. Would you stand with me, please, as we enter into this time and ask God's touch upon our service together. 
Our Father and our God, we come in the matchless mighty name of Jesus, the name that causes demons to run in fear, but causes the righteous to rejoice. And we rejoice today in the name of Jesus. We ask, Father God, that you do something special in each heart gathered here today. That, Father, you'd speak to us and encourage us and strengthen us. When we're weary, give us strength. And when we're discouraged, give us hope. And we ask, Father God, if we're sick, you give us healing. We pray, Father, for guidance and direction. And we ask that you would let your word come alive in our hearts today, that we would be empowered by your word and by your spirit. Help us to enter in and worship you, to sing songs of praise and to clap our hands and to lift them in shouts of praise. We ask, Father, your hand to be upon the entire day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him praise. Oh. shed your blood so I'm gonna live like my shame is gone I won't be shackled to the way I was I'm gonna live like my chains are gone gone now my sin is dead and gone and I see hallelujah
Bible says that we know he's a friend. He laid down his life for us. Praise God. You may be seated. Mark's going to walk up and down the aisle as we uh, greet any guests that we have today. If you'd slip up your hand, well, we'll let him get down front first. And then, okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah. It won't be quick, him getting to you today. <laughs> but if you're a guest with us today, if you'd slip up your hand, we have a, a VIP card for you to fill out, drop in the offering baskets. They're down front, they're in the back, they're in the lobbies as we give praise to the Lord through our tithes and offerings. But uh, we want to have a, a record of your visit with us today. Could we get a round of applause for all of our guests? <laughs> Welcome home. Welcome home to Trinity. Praise God. Just a few announcements. We want to once again thank all those who helped out through donations, through work, through labor. I'm going to take this opportunity to apologize to anyone that I was terse with in the heat and humidity and, and the, the, all the stuff going on over the last couple of days. If I was mean to you, just say, well, it's just the way he is sometimes. I hope I watch it. See, I don't pick on people. I don't, I don't ever pick on people, do I, Melissa? No, not me, not me. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Even the kids are me messing with me. Praise God. But we had a great time of fellowship and, and uh, sharing with uh, folks over the weekend. And uh, I want to attest that the Coneys were excellent this year. Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, uh, this is my, my understudy, my understudy here, uh, Josh, I'm training him to be the quality control person. Uh, how many did you eat, boy? Uh, never mind. I Wait, lost track of he lost track after a dozen of them. So, uh, so he, <laughs> a lot of hot dogs went into the ministry yesterday, didn't they? <laughs> but we had a great time, a great time of fellowship. And some people say, well, are, are, what are you going to do? Usually, after the women's ministry's yard sale, you have a free giveaway day. Well, we, we're not. Because we have another yard sale that's coming up, and the youth are going to have this one, and they're going to take all the leftovers and sell them to raise money to go to camp. And so that's going to come up uh, Saturday, July 8th, from 9 to 4. They're even tacking on a couple extra hours for you. And uh, so that, that's coming up, and all the proceeds will be going to send all of our youth that want to go free of charge, get them to go to camp, amen, where God can, can touch their hearts and their lives. I stand before you, as you know, someone that it was at Camp Syker that, that God called me in to preach, and I've been doing it for 52 years now, and I'm going to keep, somebody asked me, when are you going to retire? I says, when I get it right. I haven't got it right yet. As soon as I get it right, I'm going to retire. But I haven't gotten it right yet, so I'm going to keep working on it. Uh, maybe, maybe 15, 20 more years. I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh, my. The peanut gallery's alive and well today, aren't they? They're all over the place. Praise God. We want to remind you of some of the opportunities for discipleship and growing in the Lord. 
It's important not to just know the Lord, but to grow in our relationship with him. Wednesdays in the morning, we have a Wednesday morning 10 a.m. Bible study, and we are going through the Bible book by book each week, a different book of the Bible. We are up to Malachi this week, and we're looking at prayer principles in every book of the Bible. And there's some great ones. We've been having a wonderful study. In the evening, last week, we began our new series in the letter to the Philippian church, and we didn't even get into Philippians yet. We're just studying how that church was founded and formed in the book of Acts, and then we can understand a little bit clearer what God is saying to the Philippian believers through the Apostle Paul. So join us in the evening at 7 for that. And at 7 o'clock, we also have ministry for all ages, from the youngest teeny tiny itty bitties all the way up through us older adults, and there's youth, and there's boys' ministries, rangers, and there's girls' ministries, all kinds of things going on for each and every age group. And so we just make Wednesday kind of a family day where we're, there's ministry for all ages. There's a lot of things in your bulletin for you to be aware of and to know what's happening and going on in the weeks to come. Uh, we have a couple things that we want to touch base right now. We want to remind you that all during praise and worship, all during the, the service, this altar area, this place of prayer is always open. The, the deacons are available to come and pray with you or you can come and just pray on your own. Uh, we want to keep a, a sensitivity to God moving at all times. It's not just at one point in the service. God wants to move the whole service long and then after the service as well. So this altar is always open. We want to remember that this is our graduation uh, uh, recognition day. We have one high school graduate this year, and that is Caleb Arnold. Caleb, would you come forward, please? That? That and this? That's it? Oh, there's something inside. Oh, here is, here is your graduation monkey. And uh, <laughs> it's a sloth. It's the same thing. It's a sloth. Okay, all right. It's a sloth. It's like the same you thing. didn't sloth off. You made it through. I made it. I don't know how. But you he know. Is, he is, he's a proud graduate of Shekinah <laughs> Christian School. Praise God. And also, here's something to put some... And there's something inside there, too. Okay. okay. All right. We're so proud of you for your accomplishments and uh, on the basketball court and other, other areas of, of endeavor. And uh, he's part of our worship team. He's uh, going to be going with us. We're going to be leaving next week to go to our missions outreach. And he's going to be a big part of that, too. So would you give a standing O to... Our oh, man, yeah. you get a standing up. <laughs> Love you, man. Love you. Thank you. Now, since I said good things about you, uh, <laughs> while we're down on the missions trip, you say good things about me, okay? <laughs> All right, it's a deal. 
its deal. Praise God. We also would like, uh, we have some that are not able to be here today, but we have some that are here today, of our missions team that's going to be going out. They're pulling out of the parking lot at 11.30 p.m. Saturday, right? <laughs> so if I could have them all come down front, please. Those that are be going on the missions trip, leaders and... They've been working on dramas and uh, uh, songs, and I was down watching uh, some of the action songs that are going on, and by the end of the action songs, they needed oxygen. <laughs> and, and it's going to be warm down there when we, we're doing this outdoors, this ministry outdoors near the beach in South Carolina. We're going to be going to Myrtle Beach Travel Park and we're going to be ministering to the youngest people that are there and having a vacation Bible school style ministry and touching lives. You say, well, what, what lives can be touched by that? My family's life was touched by that. My kids, we always vacationed there. My kids were always involved in it. We have an opportunity of reaching kids from all over the United States and Canada that come there for vacation and their parents say, well, why don't you just go in the morning and, and go? And we've seen lives touched and transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. And so we're, I'm privileged to go along with them. Linda and I are going to be going with them and we're going to be doing ministry every morning and uh, for several hours. And then we're going to be in the evenings, we'll be there walk, working on the boardwalk in Myrtle Beach and doing street evangelism or going to nursing homes and retirement centers and ministering to senior saints. So uh, would you stand with me and extend your hands as if you're laying hands upon these. And local deacons, if you'd gather here, please, and pray over them. Praise God. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for an opportunity as a church to send out these missionaries to reach children for Christ. We ask, Father God, that you would give us favor with families that are there vacationing, that, Father God, we would have open doors to minister to children the good news that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that he wants to save them, he wants to spend eternity with them. Father, we realize that if even one life is touched and transformed, it will have been worth all the effort. We're believing for many to have a, a touch of God upon their lives through this week. We pray for strength and encouragement for each one of the missions team, for all of their leaders, for those that are driving all night, for those that uh, when they get there, they got to start work. We ask, Father God, you'd give us strength, endurance, wisdom, and the anointing of God to touch lives in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Come over here, boy. You, you'll want to know him. When they get back, they're going to do some of these these uh, skits for us. Uh, this 
is Captain Obvious. And we're going, we're going to transform Myrtle Beach Travel Park into a superheroes academy, superheroes for God. And he's Captain Obvious. He's going to learn a lot of lessons. And uh, uh, could you explain to the people why you're called Captain Obvious? Isn't it obvious? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Oh, my, my, my. I'm going to have a week of fun. Yes, I am. Praise God. Well, let's continue worshiping the Lord today. Give him what? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. My daughter is helping the old man remember things that he didn't forget. It's just habit she knows I forget things but uh, we're going to continue to worship let's stand together the kids are leaving to go to their their service upstairs and let's stand together and continue to worship in the Lord clap your hands shout unto God with a voice of triumph give praise hallelujah let's give him glory
just a moment or two. Thank you, praise and worship team. Can somebody bring me a water? Praise God. Hallelujah. Today we want to look at one of my favorite Bible stories, Bible facts, not a story. Because heavy on my heart is this. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit to fall on this place. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit to fall upon this people. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit to fall upon this preacher. I want this fire of the Holy Spirit to fall upon this congregation and ripple out and impact an entire world. Father God, Father God, help us today. But the question is, do we really want the fire to fall? Do we really want it? Oh, well, well, do we really want it? Well, we're going to be looking at how it fell that day. Now that you've rested up a little bit, you can stand up for the reading of God's Word. Would you do that, please? Around here at Trinity, we always stand for the reading of God's Word because the author is in the house. Every time His Word is lifted up, the Holy Spirit presents Jesus right here. Hallelujah. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Beginning with verse number 20. So Ahab, not Ahab the Arab, Ahab the king, okay? Ahab the king sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Then Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter or halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, small g, and I will call on the name of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Father God, I desire your fire of the Holy Ghost to fall once again upon your people not in a destructive way, but in light 
in power, in affirmation that you're still the God who's on the throne. Speak with us today by your word and by your Holy Spirit of fire. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please be seated, but please keep your Bibles open to this portion of God's word. The Bible is full of monumental confrontations. We think of David and Goliath. We think of Moses standing before Pharaoh. We remember Jesus duking it out with Satan in the wilderness and not yielding to his temptations. Epic confrontations that rocked the world of their time. But this one is one of those. It's a a showdown. Not merely a showdown between an evil king and an evil queen and one solitary prophet of God. It was more than 850 to 1 because there were, eight, there were 450 prophets of Baal and they threw in another 400 prophets of Ashtoreth, uh, tree-hugging gods. They worship trees then against one who stood for the one true God. It was not just a false idol versus a true God. It was the forces of hell pitted against the power of God. And guess who won? We know the story, and we've preached it many times, we've read it many times, we've done dramas about it and all kinds of things. But this time, the Lord pointed me in the direction of looking at one main aspect of the fire falling from heaven, the sacrifice. Because that's what the test was, wasn't it? You have an altar, you have the wood, you have a sacrifice, and the God who answers by fire, the one who sends the fire and consumes the sacrifice, he's God, and the others not. The sacrifice is what the fire was going to fall on, one way or another. Remember, there were two altars on the mountain that day, Mount Carmel. I'm excited. I get more excited every day. I've been to Israel many times, but I get more excited by the day because we're going back to Mount Carmel. Oh, I love, I love going on top of Mount Carmel. Oh, thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. You just cast, cost an extra 15, 20 minutes. I'll preach longer now. Look out. Don't come but take my water away. Praise God. We drive up in low gear on to that mountaintop. We go up on top of the building there. You can see for hundreds of miles in any direction. Wow, what an epic place for a showdown between God and the enemy. There were going to be two alders on top of Mount Carmel. Two times of prayer. One extended, one very brief. It wasn't the length of the prayer. It wasn't the length of the prayer, folks. It was who the prayer was to. Amen? Amen. 
They prayed all day and shouted and danced and jumped and gyrated, but there was no answer to their prayer because their idol was deaf. He was unable to respond with fire from heaven. But a simple little prayer of just a few words. Basically, the prophet said, God, show him your stuff. And the fire fell on the sacrifice. Two opportunities for the fire to fall, but it only fell once. At the altar of Baal, there was a lot going on. I mean, there was a lot of noise going on at that altar of Baal. It was in total functionality. They were using it a minimum of two times a day. It's a round altar. We found evidence of the altars to Baal, and we found one at Megiddo, and there's, there's hundreds of others across the land. They were circular because they were worshiping in any direction they could think of this god Baal, who was the god of fertility. He was the god they believed that caused the sun to rise, so they sacrificed an infant in the morning. And he was the god who covered them and sent the showers at night. Another infant died. So at least two sacrifices a day of an innocent newborn. And then other sacrifices to get the rain for the crops, to have the, the wheat blossom, to have all of those things. They, they believed that by worshiping this Baal and by giving him innocent blood, that he would let the sun rise and let the sun set and let the rains fall. They didn't have to build their altar. It was already built because it was already every day in use in northern Israel. The altar of the Lord had been broken down years before because the king and his queen had decided they were going to follow after the strange gods of Baal and Ashtoreth. Sacrifices made, blood on the altar, innocent blood on the altar. And yet three and a half years before this, the command of the Lord came, no more rain, not even a drop of dew until I say so. Now think about it. Every day you're getting up and you're sacrificing a, a little infant on the altar to make it rain. And they did this every day for three and a half years. Talk about futility. No rain. No dew of the morning. Not a drop. Rivers and creeks had dried up. And there was dust all over. The crops had failed all over northern Israel. But they kept worshiping at the altar of Baal nonetheless. Isn't it just like today, though? There's a spiritual drought going on, and yet people are still worshiping at Baal's altar. Moral depravity, and yet 
Most continue to worship the God of this world. The booze still flows, and lives are still taken every night of drunk drivers, and they get in a little booze in them, and then they pull out a gun and shoot people on the short north or in the, on the west side. I don't know if you find it interesting or not, we who live on the west side, that they're pulling out all the stops. They're spending thousands of dollars, millions of dollars in the short north to keep the bars open. But we got people dying just two blocks from here every week. And they haven't increased anything. Oh, they got a couple new lighting systems. Still worshiping at Baal's altar. Even though the world is spinning downward rapidly, they're still worshiping the same God, hedonistic, immoral, all about me, all about what I want. I'm offended, therefore I'll just shoot you. Murder, robbery, fights, feuds, inhumanity to man. They're worshiping. They're worshiping at Baal's altar. You know something that really bugs me? <laughs> well, besides that, <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, you asked. There, have you noticed there's a custom, and people think it's, it's an innocent little custom, that they'll have a party and they'll clink glasses, usually with booze in it of some kind, and that's a toast. The, the tinkle the glass. You've seen that, right? A toast. You know where that came from? It was a Roman custom. And the god of wine and alcohol, Bacchus, as they would gather at their feasts and festivals, they would hit their goblets together to signal Bacchus to come and flood the party with his presence. Folks, he's showing up, isn't he? Satan's showing up at every one of these gatherings, and yet they're still worshiping at the altar of Baal, even though there's no rain. There's no crops. The fields are dry and barren. And they wring their hands and say, we'll throw money at it, that'll fix it. But they keep worshiping at Baal's altar. And it gets worse and worse and worse. Spiritual drought is all around us, folks. Have you noticed? They're going to be celebrating being proud of being sinful this weekend here in Columbus. Folks, the world is worshiping at Baal's altar, even though it's getting worse and worse and not better. It's senseless. And so they, there was a lot of noise at the altar of Baal that day. They were shouting and dancing and throwing themselves on the altar. That lets me know they didn't really believe fire was going to fall anyway because they're jumping on top of the heap. They got the, the crackliness dry wood to put on there that they could think. They, they arranged it so that they hoped that maybe sun would, 
would come through and start that blaze, but they cried all day long until they were laying it a heap. And, and, and I just love, my favorite part of the story is, has always been Elijah. I love this guy. Love this guy. He's, he's leaning over on some of the rubble on the other side of the hilltop. And he says, hey, what? Maybe he's uh, gone on a trip and you need to yell louder. And they say, good idea. So they screamed all the more, it says. Well, maybe he can't hear you. So they cut themselves and so they were screaming in pain. And there was no answer from Baal. There's still a lot of noise at the altar of Baal today. A lot of shouting going on. A lot of finger pointing and, and we have the answer. But they're still worshiping at a false God's altar. Heavenly fire is not going to fall on that. Our world is worshiping every day at false God's altars. <coughs> Idols that can't deliver us. Well, well, we'll we'll pass a law. That'll straighten them up. That'll stop this stuff right in its tracks, won't it? We'll pass a law. We'll do this. We'll do that. My favorite is we'll take the, the, the guns away from the law-abiding citizens who got them properly, and that'll make everything better now, won't it? Worshiping Baal's altar, and all you get is silence from Baal. There's no solution. There's no help coming. There's no fire of the Holy Spirit coming on the, on the, the site. Worshiping at the, the altar of Baal leads you in the places that our world is right now. Worshiping at Baal's altar means you you're engaged in immorality and make excuses for it. And you say, well, you know, what, what's the harm in, in having all those uh, uh, men dress up like women and, and go and minister to, to children? What's the harm? The killing of the unborn. Mutilation under the guise of gender, gender identification. Let the booze flow and marvel why there's more deaths than violence. The worship at Baal's altar continues even as we speak. We're gathered here worshiping the Lord, but there's people still sleeping after how they worshiped Baal last night. World spinning out of control, but they believe if we just keep worshiping at the same way at Baal's altar, things will turn around any day now. After they'd thrown in everything they could throw and they were hoarse, oh, ball, said the fire. No fire fell. I want us to look at the, the first steps of having God's holy fire fall on us again. If we, well, I asked you before, but let me ask you again. Do we really want 
the holy fire of God's Holy Spirit to fall on us today? Do we really want that? Well, I'm not saying this is prescription. I'm just saying all of these things were done at God's command. Okay? And we're going to look at each one of them just a little bit. The first step in having God's holy fire fall it's found there in verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. All the attention had been on Baal's altar. And I've got to admit, my attention gets drifted over there and seeing the stupidity that's going on in our world today. But I've got to get my eyes off of that altar and on to God. It's a hard thing. That's the reason we have so many accidents on the freeway. It's not just because there was an accident. Everybody looking at the accident that happened on the freeway, right? It's just a little fender bender over here. But how come the, the traffic's backed up for five miles? It's just a little fender bender over here. It's off, the, but the people are slowing down. Trying to watch it. You see, if our attention is totally on Baal's altar, we can't fix our attention on the place where God's fire is going to fall. We've got to get away from Baal's altars. We've got to get away from just being fixated upon all that's going on in the world and realize I'm not helping the solution by examining the crash come near come near to me the problem is not that we're not paying attention it's that we're paying attention to the wrong thing so wrapped up in the world's perversities and the devil's plots they're not focused in on what God's doing it may come as a surprise but you're not going to hear about what God's doing on the evening news. Well, I watch this channel, and it's the, the whole truth. Yeah, but you, you, I'm, I'm sorry. It's profit-motivated. You realize that there are souls being saved in Muslim countries today at record-breaking levels. And you heard it on last night's news, right? Miracles are happening around the globe. You, oh, evening news, right there. No, no. the only thing you get on the evening news was uh, last night it was uh, a lady found her dog that was lost for four years. <laughs> I'm happy for the dog. I'm happy for the lady. But blind eyes are seeing and the deaf are hearing and the lame are walking. And those who have been sold out to sin are being born again by the power of Jesus Christ. We are fixated upon the wrong thing. We're focused, but our focus is misplaced. We need to focus in on God. He says, come near to me. Come on over here. They were on the top of the same crest of the mountain on Mount Carmel. Over here was where all the shouting and all the activity all day long, there was a show going on. It's not about the show. He says, you've watched them enough. Come here. 
come here. You want to see the fire fall? And they came over. Isaiah 55 said, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. In John's gospel, amid all the shouts and everything going on as Jesus is coming into the city in Jerusalem before his crucifixion, there were some guys from out of town. They called them the Greeks. They were not from around there. They were from Greece. And they traveled all the way because they'd heard about Jesus. They didn't come for the show of the shouts and the palm branches and everything. They simply said, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Oh, you know what? He's still saying, come here. Let, let's fix our attention away from everything else for just a little while. And let's look for Jesus. Let's look for his presence. Now look at this altar. We talked about the other altar. It was all brand new, spanky, uh, sparkling clean, and, and uh, every, every day they had at least two uh, sacrifices of infants on it. But there's another altar. Can't find it because it's broken down. It says in verse 30, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. Get a different focus. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Can't find the altar on the top of the hill. It's because it's broken down through lack of use. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. Now listen carefully. To whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. The challenge had been issued. You have an altar, I'll have an altar. Theirs was up and running and flowing with innocent blood. His was broken down and scattered across the, the top of the hill because it hadn't been used in a long time. Jezebel had put a, a bounty on the head of every prophet of the true God and was killing them off in droves. They were hiding out in caves, running from their lives. And it took a lot for Elijah to stand up and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the king and have a challenge. He could have just as easily been cut down right there, but God sent him. I think God can take care of us when he sends us. Amen? Where's the altar that you're going to put your sacrifice on, Elijah? Where's the altar? Well, it's broken down. Where's the altar? A place of repentance and crying out for forgiveness. Folks, it's broken down. It needs to be rebuilt. Where's the altar? A place of dying to my ways and seeking God's ways. Where's the altar? A place to spend time seeking God's will, not his blessings on our will. Where's the altar today? When families are falling apart, are we trying to solve the problems or are we bringing those problems to an altar of prayer? 
Where's the older when priorities are askew, as we talked about last time? If we want the fire of God to fall, there's got to be an older for it to fall on. It's time for us to get back to a thing called an altar. Oh, I'm not talking about a place of wood and sticks and stones and whatever. I'm talking about a place of getting serious with God. We have some here in the, in the gathering that you make your way to this altar of prayer with great regularity. I thank God for you. But I'm challenging others. Say, well, you know, Pastor, I can't, I can't. Well, you can make an altar right where you are and call upon the name of the Lord. Because every one of us needs to get our act together. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I want you to notice how it was rebuilt. He looked around and found 12 stones representing the 12 tribes. Now think about it for a moment with me. At this point in time, we're in the northern kingdom. That means the kingdom was divided. The kingdom of Israel was in two parts, right? There was 10 and 2. There was 10 tribes to the north, 2 to the south, and we were in the north. But he doesn't just put 10 stones together, does he? Because the name Israel came about all the 12 sons, all the 12 tribes, back to the basics. We re rebuild our altar to the Lord by getting back to the basics of what it's all about. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. Well, bless God, I'm saved and and uh, everything's wonderful with I say I say wonderful with me. Well, then you're not living on this planet, my friend. We mess up all the time. Can I get a, a shout from those who are messed up? Have you done anything wrong recently that you need God's forgiveness from? How how many of you were a little testy with somebody yesterday? Hmm? How many of you were we're just real uppity, and you need to repent of it. You see, we need to get back to the altar, back to the basics. The altar was built after the foundation of its original plan. It was built on the, on the plan of God, the 12 tribes. We need to get back to basics. What are those basics, those basic things of our faith? that we need to get back to. You must be born again. Can I get a witness in the house? Jesus told the Ephesians to repent and do the first works in the book of Revelation. Let's get back to praying. Let's get back to repenting. Let's get back to interceding for the lost. Let's get back to caring about others enough to pray for them, witness to them, share with them, and try to give them a, a touch of the Lord in prayer. Let's get back to studying God's word. Let's get back to holy living. How about that? How about getting back to the basics of serving God? I love that old, old, old chorus that says, I will serve thee because I love thee. Not because I have to. Not because the pastor said you ought to. 
Not because it's rule number 42 in a list of 75 rules. No. If Jesus has forgiven your sin, shouldn't you want to do something and praise him? I'm going to serve him. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, pastor, you can't make the decision for your family. Well, I can make a decision of what's going to happen underneath my roof. As for me and my house, I'm going to, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I remember when the kids were home and they were little and, and uh, they were always telling me, well, Dad, it all came the same kind of whiny, Dad, Mom, why can't we? Because I said, no. I know psychologists say you, you shouldn't do that. But I was back in the day when you used to be able to do that as a parent, say, no, because I said so. Now you've got to give everybody a reason. I'll give you a good reason. I'm the father and you're not. I'm responsible for your soul raising up in my household. And you're not. Let's get back to the basics. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, look what happened next. He rebuilt the altar that was broken down. He rebuilt it from original pattern back to the basics. Look what happened next in verse 33. He said, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed. That's about this deep, okay? Not this deep, this deep. And... Uh, he separated the altar from everything else on the top of Mount Carmel. There were no roots going to that place where the altar was. He circled it off. He had 12 stones around it. And he made a trench round about it. Now, I don't know that much about the soil back then, but you remember it hadn't rained in a while, right? How long? Three and a half years. Have you noticed that when you don't have rain for three and a half years, the ground's a little hard. It's a little tough. You're on top of a mountain that's made out of stone. It was tough work digging a trench a foot deep. It may have taken him a while. But you know it takes a while to separate things from the world doesn't happen overnight there needs to be a separation between the people of God and the ways of the world if we want the fire well maybe you don't D does anybody still want the fire to fall do, do you still want God's holy fire to fall do you want the Holy Spirit fire, fire to come down and consume the sacrifice well then it might take some time to first of all get back to the altar get back to the basics of serving God get back to the basics of crying out for mercy not just asking for God to do things for us but saying God here am I send me use me getting back to the basics of prayer and the word and service and holy living and then separating ourselves, and it might take a while to separate ourselves. I'm not saying to go into a monastery someplace 
and hold yourself up. No, that's not godly either. I'm talking about the fact that we need to cut the ties to the ways of the world. We need to, separate. We need to come apart and be separate. That's Bible. We need to come apart and be holy. We need to be a holy people. We don't need to be so integrated into the world that people can't tell us from the world. The church should not be something as, well, are that, is that really a church? We don't need to blend in with a world that's headed to hell. We need to be a lighthouse. Have you ever been to some lighthouses? You ever seen a lighthouse, a real upfront lighthouse? Pretty cool, huh? They're, they're just right along the same level as the, the shore, right? You haven't been to a lighthouse if you said yes. Well, it's just a very subdued thing. It's undercover, you know. No. It's pitched up high. And it sends out a light so that those coming in the area can see, oh, there's shoreline there. There's dangers. There's rocks. There's hazards. And with the lighthouse, there's also some lower lights to let you know of some craggy places in the inlet you need to be aware of. We need the lower lights to be burning too. You see, we need to be separated from the world. We need to be in the world, but not of it. We need to be visible, not hidden. We don't hide our light underneath a bushel basket, but we put it on a lampstand for all to see. The time for the church, if we want, well, maybe you don't, I don't know. Do you really want the Holy Fire of God to fall, the Holy Spirit and everything like that? We need to be God's light in a darkened world. People are crashing on the shoreline and we're not giving them a fair warning. We need to let our light so shine among men they may see the good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. <coughs> need to separate. Need to separate. Come apart and be separate. If we want the fire of the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on us, there needs to be some separation between us and the world. You see, there was two altars now on the top of this hill, right? Get the picture? The, the altar of Baal, they stopped screaming and shouting everything because nothing worked. But there's another altar that's been rebuilt according to pattern. Back to the basics and a trench drawn separating it from everything else on the mountain and that place wholly separated unto God and so God doesn't want the fire to fall and people to be deceived well there's a lot of action happening over at Baal's altar cheap imitation to when holy fire of God it's not about smoke and mirrors and lightning flashes and big booms and shouts and, and all the noise. And when God's fire falls, people take note. The Lord, he is God. The Lord. I don't want fake fire. I don't want a laser light show. 
I want the fire of the Holy Spirit of God to fall upon this preacher, this place, this church, this people, so that everyone can see there's a difference between this and the world. Reel it in, Keen, reel it in. Okay, got back up. I don't know, did any of you have this tradition in your house growing up? At uh, Thanksgiving, we'd always have a big turkey. Not me. Big turkey. And when they're done with the turkey, mom would always bring out the wishbone. Any of you do this? Any of you do this? Same, so stupid. But, but do this. And, and uh, mom would get the wishbone out there. And then at a certain time, she say, Kenny, do you want to, do you want to pull on the wishbone? I'm thinking, sure. Yeah, stupid Kenny. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, and one of my brothers, either Tom or Barry, would get the other side. And Kenny always lost. Always. And after a while, it finally dawned on Kenny, I always lose. They say you get really good luck and good fortune if you get the big part of the of the turkey I don't know the turkey wasn't lucky I don't I, I you know lucky rabbit's foot rabbit wasn't lucky you know I, but but it it finally hit me why are my brothers always winning and I get the short end of the wishbone and then finally my brother brother Tom clued me in you get a bigger harder grip on it and you pull and you you have just a light grip and it just snaps off a little bit and I get the rest of it he says I put my hand around that whole thing and the tighter I am to it the stronger my grip on it I win the thing that has a stronger grip on your life wins folks thing that has a stronger grip if the world has a big strong grip I don't care how much you may think you're spiritual if you're more inclined to go with the world than you are with God you lose the devil wins there's a separation that needs to happen we're not pulling our own little rapture here we're not separating ourselves. no we're going to be in the world but not of it you know, right now, all over the Washington, D.C. area, there are embassies. And in those embassies are people from other places on the planet. And also in New York, near the United Nations, there are embassies. And that embassy is considered soil of that foreign country. If they're from, they're from this country, they're from England, this is sovereign English soil. And they're, they're from, they're from uh, South America. This is my soil. Whatever it is. It's from France. This is my soil. <laughs> you know, and you can't go in there. 
It's in the middle of New York. It's in the middle of Washington, D.C., but it's foreign territory. My Lord tells me I am an ambassador for Christ Jesus. I may be in this world, but this world is not in me. I may be in this world, but there's a separation. There's a trench drawn. There's a dividing line. I am in this world, but Christ is in me. My hope of glory, I'm severing attachments to the ways of this world. I better get going here. I'm not going to make it. I just got through my wishbone there. I... Before the fire fell, there was, well, maybe you don't want it anymore. I've, I, maybe some of you are discouraged. Do you really want the, the holy fire of God? To, to, you really, really want that? Well, there's a couple more steps in here. These aren't my steps. God, he did everything God told him to do is what the Bible says, Right? Verse 33, he put the wood in order. He cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. The wood and the sacrifice are two more ingredients in the fire falling, the Holy Spirit fire falling. In the Bible, wood is symbolized as humanity, the earthly part. When you study the tabernacle, you find that many of the pieces of the furnishings of the temple and the tabernacle were wood covered in beaten gold, symbolizing the two natures, the wood, the humanity of Jesus Christ, gold, the divinity of Jesus Christ. It's seen time and time and time and time again throughout the study of the tabernacle and the temple. So what can it mean setting the wood in order, setting the humanity in order so that the fire can fall. Human nature versus God's nature. Some people use this as an excuse. Well, I'm only human. Huh? I'm only human, yeah. But you only also serve a God who can help you. With your humanity. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 26 says, Therefore I run thus not uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified or a castaway. Keeping my body under, well, I'm only human. I only, I, I, I'm just human. I, I can't resist this. I can't. You're only human, but you have a holy Savior who can help you keep your body in check and your attitudes in check and your desires in check. We are not mere animals. We are sovereign creation of almighty God. You see, this is a, a dividing line. The evolutionists tell us, well, you're just a, a big, fluffy uh, uh, animal. You're just an animal. So, and they use these as arguments. 
well, just as other animal kingdoms, they, they don't necessarily mate for life. You can, they can have many partners. Many, you just do whatever you want to do. You're just an animal. But with God's help, folks, we can bring our bodies under. You do not have to yield to temptation. We do not have to just let our, our desires move us. We put the wood in order. We discipline our bodies with God's help. It's not willpower. It's his power on our will. Getting our humanity in order so the Lord can use us. I keep my body under. It's basically, it's, if you want to be real terse about it, get your act together with God. Quit using this body as an excuse not to serve him. Well, I can't do this. Well, what can you do? How can you serve him? Now we're on to the sacrifice of the altar. The fire hasn't fallen yet, but he said, Lord, I pray that they would know that everything I have done, I have done at your word. So all of these steps and stages before the fire falls was God's plan. Now, that's, if you really want his fire to fall, I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. The last thing is putting the sacrifice on the altar. And Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, not to you, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A living sacrifice, not being forced on this altar, but voluntarily mounting the altar and laying down. They did not have to force Jesus on the cross. He willingly gave his life. He says, you do not take my life, I give it. That's what he said to Pilate. And Pilate didn't know what to do with it. We need to be living sacrifices. If we want the fire of God to fall on the sacrifice, we've got to be willing for the fire to fall in our lives. We're not just a, a dumb animal. We're a person with a will and a choice. God is not going to force you to have his Holy Spirit fire fall on your life. He won't. He will not. He will not. You look at the disciples when, and the 120 when they went into the upper room, they didn't even know what they were praying for. He says, you stay there until you receive the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me, for as John baptized with water, so you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And they were in there one day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day, seven day, maybe up to ten days. And they didn't even know what they were waiting on. But they knew when it happened. 
They were there willingly. They were a living sacrifice. And then on that day, that Pentecost day, as they were praying, suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the entire upper chamber. And the Holy Spirit came in fire and in power and baptized every one of the 120 of them. We don't even know the name of most of the people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit that day. The Bible only tells us certain ones and what happened. But boy, what happened with those that we know about was phenomenal. When the holy fire fell, lives were transformed. They were afraid, hiding out in an upper room until the fire of the Holy Spirit came upon them. They rushed out of that room. They went down to the Temple Mount, and they were up there. Everybody was praising God on the Temple Mount. Oh, thank you for the harvest. And they said, we want to tell you about the Lord of the harvest. And they began to preach and to prophesy and to speak in other languages the glories and mercy and power of God and the fire of God fell on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls were saved. Yeah. It was an answer to prayer. A simple prayer of Elijah, Lord, show him I did whatever I did at your command. And then... I just, this is a picture I have in my mind. I can't prove it, but it's a picture I have in my mind. He's made them watch this whole process, the rebuilding of the altar, get back to the altar, get back to basics, the 12 stones, the trench, holy separation from the world, getting the wood, our humanity, in line with God's word being a living sacrifice, willingly being there waiting on the fire. I can't prove it, but I think Elijah, as he's praying, he's backing away because he knows God's going to answer by fire right there. And he backs away as he's praying, Lord, Show them that everything I did was what you told me to do. And the Lord said, got it. And at that moment, out of the skies above Mount Carmel came a flash of holy fire from heaven. And it says it came down and it just didn't stop halfway. It wasn't just a light show. It was fire with power. Amen? It was fire with power because it came down and it consumed the sacrifice. It hit the sacrifice and, and it burned up the wood and, and, it, and it even burned up the stones and poofed them into powder and then it licked up all the water in that trench and all the people saw it wasn't a light show. It wasn't just sound and noise like the other altar on the top of the hill. It was a God thing. It was the holy fire of God falling and they bowed down and say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Yeah. 
was an interesting story if you don't care whether the fire falls or not. But do you want the fire to fall? Would you stand with me, please? I want the fire to fall, Lord God. I want the fire on this, fall on this sacrifice. I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us back to the altar, back to the altar of prayer and commitment and humility and repentance and guidance and direction. Remember an old, old song that says, How long has it been since you talked with the Lord? You told him all of your secrets. How long has it been since you called him your friend? How long since you knew he cared for you? I'm calling you back by the word of God. Because every part of the story was what God told Elijah to do for the fire to fall. You are the sacrifice it's to fall upon. Each one of you, each one of us. And I don't know about you, but I personally, I want fresh holy fire from heaven to fall on my life today. The altar is open for you to come. Spend some time. Talk with him. If there are things in your life you need to set right with God, boy, this would be a great time to do it. If there are things of your life that need to be set in order. You're more connected to the world than you are to God. Place of the altar. Place of the altar. Separation. You're grappling with things. You need to turn it over to God. You need to be a lighthouse, not a, a shielded light. Not just coming to what God can do for you, but you want God's fire to fall on you, you so you can do what He wants you to do. You can be what He wants you to be. Song of invitation is played and sung. I've told you the story, and it's 100% true. The fire did fall. The sacrifice was totally consumed with it. Do you want the fire of God to fall? call upon him today. We open the altar. If you want someone to be with you, to pray with you, the brethren, be handy. We just want to rebuild the broken down altars of our lives today. Oh, we need the fire of God to fall. The world is dark. People are still bowing at Baal's altars. They don't know any better. Let your light so shine. We're going to be going to the Lord's table in remembrance of his sacrifice. That's the message we have to a lost and a dying world. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Pour it out before God today. And then we'll gather at the Lord's table to remember his sacrifice. I've said all I can say. Call upon the name of the Lord today. Let the fire fall. Seeking the fullness of his Holy Spirit, call out to God. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He still is today. Not Rebuild the altars. Unless you come, will you meet me here again? Because all I
to the Lord to share communion in a slightly different way today. I'm going to have the brethren take the emblems of the bread and the cup and go to the back of the sanctuary and space themselves out. And as you leave, I'm going to ask you to take those symbols of Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. And as you're leaving the sanctuary, as you're leaving this place, thank him for his broken body, his shed blood. Take and eat, take and drink. And then as you go, symbolically take this Jesus out to a world that on their own they probably won't ever come in here you take Jesus out to them amen you take the love of Christ out to them you take the message of his forgiveness out to them Lord Jesus I take your sacrifice willing sacrifice out to a world that needs it today. Be that lighthouse. Be that light on a lampstand and point people to Jesus. We want to remind you that everyone is welcome to Take of these emblems if you know Jesus as your Savior today. You don't have to be a member of this church, just you're a part of the family of God. But could I encourage you to tell at least one person this week what Jesus has done in your life? Share Jesus with them this week. Take Jesus out to a world that desperately needs him. And as you are that living sacrifice, continue to pray for the fire of God to consume the sacrifice so that everybody you come in contact with says, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, There's no formal benediction of our services here. When you feel at liberty to go, you go. But right now, I'm going to ask the brethren to come forward. I'm going to distribute the emblems of the bread and the cup. And then dismiss them to go back to the back of the sanctuary. 
for you to come to one of them, take the bread, take the cup. And before you leave these premises, say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. You died in my place for my sins. Help me to take that message to a lost and a dying world outside these doors.